Running Out of Time by Dorothy Coombson He always feels it like an arctic breeze pricking the hairs on his skin. Someone who knows his true identity is coming for him. To everyone, including the people in the cafe where he wipes down tables, takes orders and serves coffee, he is just Jeff. But to those who hunt him, he is someone important. Someone they want something from. He does not know what. He only knows when that chilling breeze moves its icy fingers across his body, it's time for him to run. Even though his whole body is aflame with the chill, Jeff carries on pouring coffee for Miss Havelstack. She is an elderly woman who comes in at the same time every day to drink coffee from a teacup and stare out of the window, seemingly lost in the past. Jeff often watches her, wondering what it would be like to be able to lose himself in the past. But he has no knowledge of who he is, and it's been that way for five years. Five years ago, he woke up fully clothed in a room, surrounded by pictures and belongings that were obviously his. But he looked at and touched each one and felt nothing. They were merely objects with no connection to him. He found out a name, Jeff Smith, and an age, 32, from the passport in one of the drawers of the stranger's flat. As he had closed the drawer after replacing the passport, he felt a chill and knew that it meant only one thing. He had to leave and never come back. He left everything except the cash he found and caught the first train from London King's Cross to Glasgow. It had been six months before he felt that chill again. And he'd walked, run actually, away from the job and home he had made there. That feeling of being found had happened three more times until he found himself here, in a small coastal town outside Worthing. He'd been safe and anonymous here for two years, until now. Would you like a cookie, Miss Havelstack? He asks, marvelling at how calm his voice sounds despite the impending danger. You know I don't eat cookies, Miss Havelstack replies imperiously. Biscuit is a perfectly good word. Why replace it with something as vulgar as cookie? Sorry, Miss H. I keep forgetting, Jeff says, pretending that he isn't surreptitiously scoping the room for whoever is after him. All we need is a few people to forget, dear boy, and then we are lost. A shiver runs through Jeff at those words. They sound familiar, an echo from... No, a wall goes up in his mind, thick and wide and solid. He does not want to remember. At that moment, he sees who is after him. A slender man with curly hair, sitting in a booth at the back of the cafe. He wears a velvet coat and a cravat. And though he is staring at the menu in front of him, Jeff knows it is him the man wants. Miss Havelstack, you are so wise. Walking slowly and carefully, he walks around the back of the counter. Would a biscuit do ya? He calls to Miss Havelstack. She turns her white-haired head and smiles at him. He is often treated to those smiles. 
He'll miss her. It's odd. They have nothing in common. They are generations apart. But there is something comforting in having her around. He'll miss this place, this town, this life he's constructed. Jeff moves through the kitchen and lets himself out of the back door, wondering how hard it would be to hitchhike. Don't run, a voice says from behind a wheelie bin. Jeff whirls around and sees the man from the cafe. Jeff instinctively looks behind him, wondering how the man got here so fast. I'm not going to hurt you, the man says. I'm the doctor. I don't need a doctor, Jeff replies. Oh, come on. We all need a doctor sometime, the man says. Well, not me. Jeff roars, and suddenly his whole body is engulfed in red flames, and he feels something leaving his body, straining to be free, and then snapping back into place. This has happened before. He does not know what it is, only that it terrifies him. That's why you need a doctor, the man, the doctor, says calmly. Jeff steps into the doctor's blue box, and in his bones, in his heart, he knows that he has been there before. He has no conscious recollection of those times, but it is the doctor's job to change that. Jeff, I have to tell you who you are, the doctor says. No, you don't. I don't want to know. Not who I am or... Jeff stops speaking as the icy chill traces a pattern across his skin again. His eyes go to the door of the blue box. They found me, he says. Yes, replies the doctor. What do they want? If I tell you that, I have to tell you who you really are. And to do that, I'll have to create a psychic link between us to restore your memory. The doctor watches Jeff think it over, his eyes constantly going to the door, to where the people in the cafe, his family, as he's come to think of them, could be at the mercy of whoever is chasing him. Do it, Jeff says. Do it quickly before I change my mind. I'm sorry, Jeff, the doctor says, raising his sonic screwdriver. This is going to hurt in more ways than you can imagine. A long time ago... Jeff hears the doctor say in his head, an old bitter man called Terence Malson, who had so much money he thought he could buy anyone or anything, found out that he was dying. His money could not buy him longer life, but one of his psychic minions told him he could live forever if he transferred his mind to the body of a child. He told him about a witch called Isabella, who was from another planet. She had been performing small spells that cured people of minor illnesses for years, and she would be able to perform the body transfer. Jeff feels seasick, as though trapped on a rollicking ship, as the doctor's words flow into his brain. First, Malson tried to bribe Isabella to help him. Then he threatened her. He told her he would slaughter the human she had adopted as her family on Earth. So she finally agreed. She died a little inside when she saw the face of the six-year-old orphan they brought to take on the mind of that evil old man. Before she began, she told Malson that he had to wait until the boy was at least 16 before he took over. For you, that time will pass in the blink of an eye, she told him. 
Jeff's legs buckle. The memories are so vivid and strong. You were there too, he whispers. He sees the doctor standing beside Isabella, holding the little boy's hand. And he knows the little boy is him. Isabella didn't do what Malson wanted completely. He had to wait ten years. In that time, she said, I will find a way to reverse this without damaging the boy. And I've given the boy a way to protect himself. He will be able to sense if someone is after him, and he will know to run. But it wouldn't be enough. The best psychics and bounty hunters in the world would be looking for him. Isabella knew what she had to do, and wiped away a tear. She would still lose her human family, because she would have to go into hiding with the boy to keep him safe. Goodbye, son of Gallifrey, she said as she walked towards the door. You're always watching. Sometimes it will be better to get involved. Then she and the boy faded into thin air. Jeff grabs onto the central console in the TARDIS for support as his mind continues to be filled with his past. Nine years went by and the doctor returned to help Isabella tell the boy what has been done to him. But he was too late. Isabella lay unmoving on the ground while Jeff stood over her, fists clenched. What have you done? the doctor asked. You're the doctor, aren't you? Jeff asked his voice shaking with fear and anger. She told me you would come. She told me everything. And you did this to her? I had to. She was going to remove this thing from inside me, and it would have killed her. I couldn't let her do that. I used one of her own spells to erase most of her memory. She won't know who I am or what she did. She's got a chance, then. She can live a life. This isn't what she would have wanted. But I didn't want her dead, Doctor. Don't you realize what you've done? You can't get that thing out of you now. Malson's going to take over when you reach 16, or his minions will find you and try to force him to do it sooner. The Doctor helped Jeff carry Isabella into the TARDIS. There is one thing you can do, the Doctor said, as Jeff's eyes, wide with wonder, visually explore the expanse he has stepped into. When Malson becomes stronger, and you don't think you can fight him anymore, use the spell to erase your memory. How will that help? Malson will have to relearn how to take control of you again. At the moment, he knows you inside out, and he knows when you're at your weakest. If you erase your memory, he'll have to get to know you all over again as you start to rebuild your life. In that time, I'll work out how to reverse this. Jeff slumps over the console as the doctor finally breaks the psychic link. You held him off for another five years before you had to erase your memory, the doctor says. And then I woke up in that room with no idea who I was. No, Jeff, that was the fourth time you've done it. I've erased my memory four times? The doctor nods. And you're here now because you found a way to end this. Almost. Does it have anything to do with Isabella? The doctor nods. Miss Havelstack is Isabella, isn't she? Jeff said. When I saw her just now... I recognized her, even though she's aged so much. The doctor nods. Yes, you have an innate need to seek her out. You've come close many times, 
but this is the first time you've actually found her. All her family are gone now. It's just her. How do Malson's men keep finding me? You call them. Every so often, when you're extremely tired and weak, Malson will take over, just for long enough to make a call. You have no knowledge of it until that moment when you have to start running. The doctor sighs. Jeff, I need Isabella's DNA and the exact spell she used to remove Malson from you. But she won't survive if we do that, will she? I will do everything I can to make sure she is safe. The doctor watches Jeff think it over. What if, doctor? I decide to accept what's happening to me. I've had enough of running. I think it's time to just give him what he needs. Jeff, you can't. It's suicide. They are interrupted by a prolonged explosion of bullets from the world outside. Other people after me doing that? Jeff asks, horrified. They've never done this before. Maybe because they came so close this time, We've I... We've got to stop this! They enter the cafe at a run and take in the scene of shattered glass and crockery. One thug has his hand on Miss Havelstack's shoulder and his gun trained on Paulino the chef, who is lying on the ground next to them. The only other person in there, Anna, the waitress, is lying face down on the floor, sobbing loudly. The second thug nearest the door lifts his gun and aims it at the doctor and Jeff. They raise their hands in surrender. Don't shoot, the doctor says. We're both unarmed. Jeff takes a step towards the centre of the room. I'll go with you. Just let these people go. Why should we? asks the thug beside Miss Havelstack. Because if I don't cooperate, your boss could be trapped inside me forever. The thug closest to the door barks. Get out, all of you, get out! Except him and the one he came in with. As they leave, Miss Havelstack pauses in front of Jeff. She stares at him as if there is something about him she is desperate to remember. Jeff smiles at her, remembering unaided the happy childhood she gave him. Once alone, both men turn their guns on Jeff and the doctor. Jeff takes a couple of steps closer to the thug in front of him. What happens next? Do we go somewhere else, or...? Before anyone can react, he punches the thug and swoops down, picking up the gun. No, Jeff, no! The doctor shouts, reaching forwards just as Jeff pulls the trigger. The explosion of the single bullet causes everyone inside and outside of the cafe to freeze. The doctor is first to recover. He runs to where Jeff is lying with the self-inflicted head wound that has ended his torment. I have to give him what he needs. Jeff's words echo in the doctor's head as he stares at the peaceful, contented smile on the young man's face. To Jeff, this was the only way to stop running, and he is happy. Seconds later, Jeff's body quakes, shakes and convulses, then becomes a burning red. A deep growling moan fills the cafe as Malson is finally set completely free. No! Malson shouts as his red, angry form floats away from Jeff's body and disperses into the atmosphere. As the doctor powers up the TARDIS to leave, the weight of Jeff's sacrifice rests on his hearts. Yet people like Jeff remind him that the human race isn't without hope and that they are always worth saving. <laughs> <laughs>